Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. And this is the Kenobi Keynote, where we're talking all things Obi-Wan Kenobi. And on today's episode, we are diving into part four. Oh my gosh, there's only two parts left. Oh my God, I don't, we're don't really want it to end. Past the halfway point at this point. And I yeah. don't know, I don't know how I have to feel about that because I've been feeling, I've been riding so high on these yeah. episodes that like, what am I going to do when Kenobi's over? We'll just have to turn our entire personality into Andor, I guess, for like the next four or five months. But like you understand that there's like a month between or like almost two months between when Kenobi ends and Andor begins. Like, what oh, am man. I supposed to do? <laughs> I don't know. Now that you mention it, I'm just going to sit at my desk twiddling my thumbs until it drops. You mean tweeting? Sure. Until it drops? That's probably a better use than just twiddling that's me, my thumbs. That's me adding you for Whoa. how much you tweet. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Publicly shaming me right now. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But yeah, I'm, I've already prepared to make Andor my entire personality. So, I mean, that's not like a big pivot for me like that's something i've already expected so yeah if you just see me crying over mon mothma this year like don't worry about <laughs> it well we're not here to talk Andor just yet but we have some we'll have some news on that very soon we are here to talk obi-wan kenobi and i'm so excited because this was a super fun episode this was actually the first episode i watched after i had woken up because like we watched the first two together at night when it dropped and then i watched last week when it dropped at 3 a.m so this is like the first one that i had to actually like wake up and like groggily get out of bed to get a a cup of tea and then like sit and like not think about work for the next 40 minutes even though i knew that's where the episode would end up and then i saw the episode was only 39 minutes when i turned with on disney credits. plus with the credits so i was like really 34 minutes and i was like no no, it can't be true. That's impossible. You were you were the chosen one, Obi Wan Kenobi. It was said yeah. that you would be fifty five minutes, not thirty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think some of my uh, particular lack of like, oh, this is my favorite episode. Energy in this episode comes from the fact that like I saw that, or you told me that runtime, so I knew how long it would be when I got up to do it or watch it, and. Then I didn't get a single emotional beat that I wanted. So I felt like I was double shaded because I was like, oh, we could, we had time for this. We had time for this. We'll mm -hmm. get there in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, though, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a great mix of A New Hope and Jedi Fallen Order because we love a good prison breakout. It's like my favorite genre of Star Wars. I will never. It will never grow old on me. I love it every time. Disguises or no disguises. Did you think Obi-Wan was going to put on the, the Stormtrooper armor? No, I didn't. But I really don't understand why they put him in Jedi robes to go <laughs> to the Fortress Inquisitorius. Like, that felt like a bad plan. That felt like a bad <laughs> plan. They have to have... So on Jabim, they have to have some sort of extra clothing for people because like they're going from planet to planet and they're theoretically being chased. Like they have to have extra clothes. So the fact that they did not put Obi-Wan in an extra set of robes or something that looks a little bit more like what Roken was wearing versus what Obi-Wan was wearing, which was very clearly Jedi robes that he's been wearing for the past 10 years. I'm, I'm just saying. Well, I figure it's because he was going to swim and like he would already be kind of in the thick of it. So no matter what, they were going to find him anyways. So it didn't really matter. But also, if he had gotten Imperial clothes, we'd have never gotten Obi-Wan and little Leia inside a trench coat. I mean, yeah, but consider the fact that he was, it's like, it's like showing up cosplaying as a corn cob in a field full of crows. <laughs> like, yes, like Sarah, they're going to go after it. But They're, trench that's coat. The one, that's the one thing they desire. But the is trench that corn coat. Of, corn on the cob. It's like he's walking in. He's walking in as the most delicious meal. <laughs> Maybe he wants to be the most delicious meal because he is. Ewan McGregor, Obi Wan. You can tell I'm exhausted and coming up with really weird metaphors. Listen, Obi Wan's skin is clear. He got in the back to tank. He is partially healed. But, he's but putting on is, some new clothing. His skin clear. Is his skin clear? Well, I mean, his face Vader, is. 
His Vader arm, was maybe not. Literally dragging him through the fire, and the fact that none <laughs> of his face got on fire is absurd to me. This is not a true, real criticism I have because it doesn't matter. But yeah, you're getting I'm into some like was, bombs don't fall like that critiques here. Okay, you're, I get you're, it. I understand that, and I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care about that critique. However, he was in the back to tank for like 0.2 seconds, and he is he scarred now? Is he scarred forever? I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. He's stubborn. Know. He's stubborn. He wanted to get out of there. I mean, I guess this gets to the point that I really wish we had gotten more of. Like the episode opens and we're kind of getting a very kind of confusing moment where we don't really know where we are. And then we realize that we are kind of POV as uh, Obi-Wan in the back to tank and that he's kind of having these moments where he's beginning to panic. I don't know if he's feeling Anakin through the force. Do you have a thought about that? Or if it's just like them having this parallel experience or if they like actually sense each other. I think it's a little bit of both, but primarily they're having a parallel experience where they're both thinking of the duel and they're feeling the damage from that duel. But maybe there is also an element of like they have this really deep and profound and unavoidable force connection where they can sense each other in some way, even if it is very distant or very small or very minor. There's a, there's like a tremor in the force almost, right? Like a certain a certain void that they know is there that the other person fills. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to hear how you were saying that you wish there were more of an emotional beat within the back to tank and like getting more flashbacks. And I think a lot of people were thinking this was the episode where we would get flashbacks. Cause me, that was everybody's, I thought, I thought it too. Yeah. That was everybody's line of thinking was, okay, he's probably going to be in a back to tank. It's probably going to be a Boba Fett sort of moment where he's, thinking back and we're going to get some like clone wars flashbacks but i honestly like the more i thought about it i like the way that it played out because again his first question when he gets out is where's leia right and so for obi-wan he's so stubborn he knows he needs to be in that tank for longer but he also understands that like there is no time for this like what ultimately matters is getting her a 10 year old out of fortress inquisitorius as soon as humanely possible because she is literally the child of Anakin Skywalker and she's currently in the Mustafar system, right? So there's a lot of stakes. There's a lot of urgency here. And I think that's why we don't necessarily get it in this episode because this episode is about a rescue mission. And I think that we will get a lot of those moments that like you and I wanted, like the Vader and Obi-Wan emotional climax in episodes five and six, because like how episodes one and two built up to three, episode three broke down Obi-Wan into where he is in chapter four and he's going to build himself back up. The story is going to build itself back up until we get to the finale. And it's going to be like this really insane, really emotional duel between these two heroes and, and this villain and uh, I should say hero and villain. And, you know, I, th- I still think we're going to get some flashbacks because you don't bring back Hayden Christensen, right? If he's just going to be like in makeup inside a back to tank, we have to see him as Anakin at some point, I would think. And if not, then I would have some questions by the end of the series if that doesn't happen. I just think that this really could have been the perfect moment where you could have taken five or seven or ten minutes and give us some sort of flashback or series of flashbacks where we get new moments between them that ultimately like Obi-Wan shakes out of. Like he like he is maybe coming, he's reliving sort of these moments and he has a moment a la Revenge of the Sith, where he's coming to a realization about what Anakin has done or whatever, killed the youngies, whatever, right? And it's like a traumatic memory for him. So he shakes himself out of it and he goes, where's Leia? Like, and I don't think we would have lost any of that momentum for Leia. I think that could have been like a really great way to also uh, work to further that relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And like considering this episode is only about 35 minutes without credits in the, the replay of whatever happened last episode. Like there was time to do it. I hope we still get it, but I feel like there's a decent a bit to accomplish in the next two episodes. And I don't know where you would necessarily slow down to give us a flashback of sorts. We kind of ended down in a slow spot at the end of episode three because he's injured and he can't do much. Um, but I, you could have translated that energy a little bit into this episode before kind of getting into the rescue mission is my thought. And that, I think that's like the most major criticism I have of this episode and why it's not my favorite of the four. Uh, And I think that kind of stuck with me throughout my viewing of the episode. But that being said, 
there are a lot of moments in this episode that I enjoyed and I'm looking forward to talking about all of them. This was just my biggest thing right off the bat. Yeah. I had to um I had to simmer down a lot of my expectations because we talked a lot about like, oh my god, is Quinlan Voss gonna show up and we yeah, were, and I was we like, were, I don't think so. <laughs> we were really going crazy with the theories, and I have to like reel myself back in and be like, okay, like that's not going to happen. Although I do think the mention of Quinlan means he could pop up somewhere in Star Wars again. I think that that you know opens the door possibly for that story. Maybe not in the show, but like in maybe Jedi Survivor or like sure. a book or something, right? So yeah, yeah, there's some possibilities there. Um, I still loved O'Shea Jackson Jr. as a uh, Roken in this yeah. episode i thought he was a pretty cool character and and the fact that his like wife was a force sensitive person who was taken by jedi. the a former jedi yeah that was like uh, like killed. there's that potential too which is really interesting yeah so i thought that added a lot of depth to his character and makes this uh whole thing a, a more of a personal a personal vendetta a personal mission um and helping another jedi to get back somebody that is important to obi-wan so I think in that way, it allows O'Shea to sympathize with Obi-Wan and understand like, you know, I've been there. I lost my wife and I don't want you to go through that same pain. So I'm going to help you out, which I thought was really powerful. Um, I do want to ask you one other question about the back to tank, which I think was like a really great sequence overall. Like the fact that it was how it's cut and how a lot of the shots mirror each other, like with the arm and with the back and with the front shots and the way they're all twisting and getting tangled in the tubes and. Do you th do you feel like Vader being so distressed in that tank? Like, wh what do you think that says about him? Is he like regretting that he couldn't finish the job? Is he feeling a little bit of a pull towards like who he used to be? Like, at, you know, as he sees Obi-Wan, it's a reminder of who he used to be and, and his brother in the flesh is still there. Wh like, what do you think is going through his minds to make him so like disgruntled? Well, that's why I posed the question of to you of do you think they're connecting with each other and like sensing one another's distress or whatever? Mm -hmm. uh, or is it just a parallel experience? Because the panic that they're having is so similar among both of them that that's why I was like, well, do they sense each other? Um, so I don't know what it says about Vader because I wasn't quite thinking about the sequence, I think, in the same way. It probably is distressing for him to have this sort of reminder of his old life that put a lot of care and compassion in him. And you don't really see anybody give him care and compassion anymore. Um, and so that's maybe a reminder of the love that he, ha he had and that the love that he desired from others, um, but couldn't ultimately achieve because of Padme's death and which sparked his rage and his mother's death. Right. And what happened with Obi-Wan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Anakin is a tragic character. You know. Yeah, Anakin's thinking about the pain inflicted on him, and I think Obi-Wan's thinking about the pain that he inflicted on Anakin, so it's like a two-way street in a way. It, again, it reminds me of that Roth's quote of, like, you know, two brothers and all the damage they had done to each other. I think that yeah. that sort of encapsulates the vibe of that opening sequence. But you had mentioned Roken, who is introduced in this episode on Jabim as a character who is some sort of leader within this underground movement um, that is helping Force-sensitive uh, folks kind of find safe and safety, just broadly, safe travel and safety. And I have been looking forward to the character that he was going to be playing this entire lead up because I think he's so interesting um, as a person and just like as an actor. Um, and we were thinking, you know, from the trailers, oh, what if he's playing this uh, uh, droid character that ended up being Ned B um, and he wasn't playing that character? We're like, OK, what if he's playing? You were saying, what if he plays Quinlan, a Jedi? And ultimately, he's this uh, rebel of sorts who is a bit um, like he's a bit of a tragic figure on his own right, but he he doesn't let the tragedy define him. He pushes for it through it, which I think is is really interesting about him. And I hope that we get to see more of him and more of Tala because they are these really interesting figures who don't seem to fit in with any particular group that we already know. Um, they're part of the path, right? So I want to know more of, of if they're associated with other groups like the early rebellion or if 
they're associated with the partisans or if they're associated with another kind of group that we've talked about in this time period, or if they're kind of their own separate, completely separate from others, sort of early rebellion group. Yeah, that's a great point to think about, especially because they're flying T-47 speeders, which are the Hoth speeders at the end of the episode, which is like, okay, well, are they a, a splinter group of the rebellion? And when you think of the time period now, before rebels like because during rebels that's when the whole union of like the different factions and splinter groups happens right with like mothma speech and the way that sure. all those ships arrive to the rendezvous and they're like okay this is the rebellion and then they go to yavin and that's that so i think this is one of those splinter cells like no different than the ghost crew is a splinter cell sure um that's how i viewed it at least but i would love to get more of these two characters i think they're fascinating i was <laughs> having my Having my faith in Tala's uh, survival tested during this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still don't know. I still don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I have no worries for Roken. Like, I think Roken's going to make it out. Tala, I'm not so sure. Reva, I'm not so sure. Which concerns me because it's always women. Yeah, I was, I was worried because, you know, Tala is really in the thick of it and she is in like the comms room and she's not being very subtle which i i just kind of laughed about but i was like i was like you're, ta Imperial? you're talking to obi-wan like, oh i was God. like there's like five people around you and you're like obi-wan are you breaking into the fortress inquisitorius like what are you doing right and then the one guy takes her aside and she kicks his ass and then she comes back out and then she goes and talks to reva and i'm like this is not gonna end well and then she's like yes i'm yeah. a spy and i'm like what are you doing um but the way that she carried herself it was very confident. You know, she really played the part. She was like, yeah, I'm a spy. I'm infiltrating them to find out where they are. That's what I've been doing this whole time. Of course, I had to be with them. And I helped Kenobi because they came to me and they were desperate. And also the way that she puts that guard in his place when she comes in, like, ooh. I was just like, oh, God, she's a goner. She's a goner. But and then Reva totally sees through it, too, because Reva's like, well, you're lying to me or you're lying for me. And I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god. Uh genuinely mm, mm, I'm worried. I'm worried. I don't have any more uh coherent thoughts to say. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, I know I said I had no more coherent thoughts, but I ha I have to have a coherent thought because we have so much more of this episode to talk about. And I think before we kind of go over to the Leia and Riva stuff which is so great i have to give a huge shout out to my man i think his character name is wade um who <laughs> who says in a brilliant line of exposition just like you know even they got you know just some characters got to be the ones to say the really obvious exposition-y thing mm -hmm. um like in the first episode whether he's like or reva's like um yes grand inquisitor and the grand inquisitor's like that's right. Third sister, you know, like right. you got to establish who the people are and where they're going. Well, Wade, shout out to Wade. He gets one line in this show and then he dies pretty much after that uh, <laughs> in one of the speeders. R.I.P. Wade. He goes, so that's it. Fortress Inquisitorious. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Belmont kin of the Obi-Wan series. He was the Belmont kin of the Obi-Wan series. And I just thought that was just a great line delivery. Shout out to my guy who plays Wade. Where and in his incredible line, so that's it, Fortress Inquisitorious. <laughs> and I was so, I was so thrilled that they actually said Fortress Inquisitorious on the show. Right, and also O'Shea Jackson Jr. being like, no one would be stupid enough to attack them. I'm like, you know who was stupid enough? Cal Kestis. He was stupid. He was really dumb. He went there. The great thing about it is, is that if you've not played the games, you're like, OMG, he's swimming underwater. He's getting in through that. Thing, the way that he gets in oh my gosh he's flooding them out but if you've played the game you're like lol he's getting <laughs> in the same way that cal got in yeah. lol he's <laughs> flushing them out like it, it's funny because uh i think it's rewarding and it, it ends up working really well whether you're not you have played the game because the one on the one hand you're like okay well that's really smart or that's a really shocking moment but if you have played the game you're like oh these dumb imperials <laughs> It's good either way. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump over to Fortress Inquisitorious now that we're talking about it. So we have Leia and Reva. And I, I think that even though we didn't maybe get the extent of character building with Obi-Wan that you might have wanted to see through like the forms of flashbacks, I think we got a lot of stuff with Reva in this episode that was really 
crucial to her character and the way that she interacts with Leia. You got to wonder, like, why is she being so easy on Leia, right? She could easily extract the information. And she tries to ultimately towards the end by, like, putting her in the chair that I think is the same chair from Fallen Order that a seer was in, right? So we did a good thing to go watch that cutscene again. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's what we saw, right? And so she could have obviously done that sooner, but part of me thinks that Reva sees a lot of herself in Leia because Reva is somebody who is projecting a lot of her experiences onto Leia when Reva was a kid and she was alone and she was abandoned and she felt like the Jedi had betrayed her by a by leaving her and not coming back to the temple to rescue the lo- we younglings, assume. we assume, we assume. right? And that's what a lot of people have said. Where, well, maybe it's a vendetta against Kenobi because he's the one that put out the message that said it's a trap, don't come back, right? And so for somebody like Reva, who is there, she feels that sense of abandonment. And she she's tells Leia, we're all on the same side. People are going to leave you to die. And these people have left you here to die. Obi-Wan's not coming to rescue you. He's gone. He's dead. He burned alive. That's it. Sayonara, right? Reva is trying to be sympathetic with her. And I think that was really an interesting conversation. That I, I mean, their whole interactions are so fascinating. But I love how they open when Leia goes, you can't keep me here. My father is Bail Organa. He's a senator. I'm a princess of Alderaan. <laughs> and I was like, I that's my girl. That. Yeah. That's my girl. Um, and, and, and then we get Reva being like, you have no rights here, princess. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just think that they, it's so, okay. What I'm trying to say is that it's so amazing that we get this, like at the time of filming nine-year-old little actress giving, going toe to toe, giving a great performance next to classically trained Moses Ingram. and, and like they're both just killing it. It's so delightful. Like mm-hmm. it's so fun to see. And and then when Leia is being tortured by Riva and or tortured as she's trying to be the part of me, the information she's trying to extract, um, Leia goes, Is this a staring contest? <laughs> and then Riva's like, Well, you're strong. Like you're really strong. Um which is a really interesting comment because it makes me wonder why Riva doesn't think she's force sensitive if she's so strong to resist her force information pull. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a really interesting thought I had. But then also, okay, I'm jumping all over the place here because I just love all of it. But uh, when Riva lays down, like she carved out that Jedi symbol <laughs> from, can we talk about that? Yeah. She carved out that symbol and Slams put it, in it her on the table. She put it in her freaking back pocket before she went to go get Leia in the tunnels. Think about that. Think about that. It bothered her so much that she carved it out of the wall. She has a very long held grudge against the Jedi. She really does, though. It burns deep. It runs really deep. Um, She, I mean, we were talking last episode about, I think, how what she feels when she see this, sees that is pain. And now she's attempting to like weaponize it, I think, um, mm-hmm. by trying to get that information out of little Leia. Yeah. I did love the moment where she was like, is this a staring contest? I thought that was hilarious because it just goes to show like how easy this is for her. Like she could do this all day. This is no problem for Leia. She's stronger than she knows. Part mm-hmm. of me wondered the same thing of like, why doesn't Reva recognize that? Yeah. Why doesn't Reva see her as somebody like, because I would imagine resisting that is not a common thing to do. Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks that it's because Leia doesn't have a, a context of what the Force is. Because Obi-Wan gave her a little bit of it, right? And so maybe the phrasing of the Force that he gave her helped her in this moment, right? Because she's in a, like, a little bit of a darker room, a darker setting, and she sort of finds a way internally to flip on the light switch. and and resist the mind probe similar to how she resists the mind probe in a new hope right because vader's like her resistance to the mind probe is impressive like we didn't get anything out of her right and that's when they drag her into the room and destroy her home planet because they're like we have to do something else something a little bit more extreme and tarkin's like let's let's blow up alderaan right 
he's like, I think my weapons system is in good order. Do you want to just like fire it at our home planet? Just like for funsies. Just for fun. Yeah. Why not? Just for fun. Just an empire yeah. thing, you know, just a little empire thing. And, right. and Vader's like, sure. Why not? Let's blow up a planet. <laughs> One thing that was interesting, though, was when Reva said, the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. I learned that at a very young age as well. And she mentions how she had a droid and it was taken from her like everything else. Yeah. Very interesting. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. What do you make of that phrase? The braver you are, the more afraid you are. Or the, the braver um, you seem, the more afraid you are. Excuse me. I think it is the Anakin problem to a T because Anakin puts on a brave face after he leaves his mother and goes and becomes a part of the Jedi Order. But as we learn from Brotherhood, those were some of the scariest days of his life um, when he scariest days of his life when he when literally the entire landscape of not only his present, but his future completely changed on him. and. You know, he had to be strong for all of that, but especially with the loss of Qui-Gon too, all wrapped up in there, there's a lot of pain and fear that I think he felt that he internalized. I would not be surprised if what Riva experienced in that sort of way is not completely dissimilar in terms of like having to put on a brave face probably after Order 66 and survive, um, but that not didn't harden her in the way that one might expect. It really just made her fearful of everything. Yeah. In a way, it's like overcompensating for her fear, right? To to appear brave on the outside, put on that facade. And I think she has to with somebody like Vader, who she's working with, because there's been several times now where she's talked to him and you can sort of sense the fear of yeah. Vader in her. But at the same time, she tries to be confident. She's like, I know where they are. I put a tracker in them. Like, I will I will get them to you. Where he goes, it follows. Like, we will find them no matter what. But I think on the inside, she's terrified. And so, yes, I think she did learn that at a young age. It's why she is the way she is. And it is really sad to think about. Like, if we do learn more about her backstory, which I hope we do, although I'm not super confident now with only two episodes left, or there's still a chance. I'd be very curious to see, like, when the turning point was. Like, when did she become an Inquisitor? How, how did she escape the Jedi Temple if we're assuming that she's one of the... She's one of the younglings in the beginning. A lot of questions I have about Reva. I think she's an awesome character and I want to learn more. Well, then let's go to the Jedi Fallen Order torture room where we see Leia getting put into a torture device that clearly is not made for someone her size. Um, uh, and where we hear Reva say, this is something I do to anyone who doesn't embrace the Empire. How do you get to a point where you like physically torture anyone that doesn't embrace the empire? Was that done to you? Mm -hmm. So she did end up embracing the empire through her anger. I don't know. I'm just thinking aloud. Like I know Seer had went through the same torture and then she escaped, but like did Trilla? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does a Jedi become an inquisitor? Yeah. Especially after these Jedi watched the Sith rise and kill all of their comrades, basically, right? So it has to be through some sort of brainwashing or some sort of torture and indoctrination to the extreme. And I think, yeah, mm -hmm. when you're in like as dark of a room as that and there's just like a one red light and that's all you're sensing and you're being tortured at the same time. You could go crazy down there. You could, you could like really lose yourself. It's a terrifying thought. And obviously before Leia gets to the point of torture, Tala provides the extraction, Obi-Wan to the rescue. But I want to mention Obi-Wan's trip to Fortress Inquisitorius, which by the way, it was so satisfying to hear like, they're on Nur, it's in the Mustafar system. Ooh. And I wonder like what's going through Obi-Wan's head in that moment of like oh my god the mustafar system again i can't it's go like back there. there you know <laughs> i've been there it didn't go so well for me last time yeah, kind of left mm. my padawan dead on the sands there he burned alive and now he's hunting us anyways it brings up some traumatic memories for yeah, me yeah <laughs> but i really love how one he did change his outfits i thought that was a a really 
nice twist because anytime we get an outfit change in Star Wars, I celebrate it because Star Wars is like notorious for having a lot of the same outfits for people, especially the women characters. And so <laughs> it was nice to see Obi-Wan get an outfit change and look more like a Jedi. I think that's symbolic of him inching closer to the myth he used to be and like the mm. heroic status he he had once attained. He is getting more confident in himself. He's feeling like himself again. The hope is slowly creeping back in and he's taking on this new persona. And there's this conversation that he has with Tala in the transport. She says to him, the past is a hard thing to forget. You just need time. That's all. And he says, some things can't be forgotten. And then she replies, you care about Leia, right? Then you're going to have to try. I think this is a bit of a wake up call for him. And when you think of the beginning of the series, he is reluctant to go rescue Leia when Bale asks him to. And then here he is jumping into the action immediately, even though he's not quite ready. His body is still healing. His mind is still healing, but he's doing it anyway. And it feels like such a Jedi thing to do to just jump right into it because you want to rescue somebody because you know it's the right thing to do. And Tala saying those words to him is like, I'm going to have to get past my own like doubts and my own grief because Leia's life is on the line. So he doesn't have time to lament. He doesn't have time to meditate. He doesn't have time to try and commune with, with Qui-Gon to get the guidance he needs. He just has to find it within himself mm. and push forward because like time is of the essence, right? Like if he were there a couple seconds later, that could have made a huge difference in Leia's life. Could have been life or death, truly. Yeah, he has this intuition that it has to happen right now. And I think that it's really an interesting kind of moment. Like, narratively, it's very cut and dry in terms of how easy it is. However, it's clear that once he finds this, we haven't talked about it yet, but once he finds the Tomb of the Jedi in Fortress Inquisitorius, that he needs to turn around because he realizes that Leia's in real danger wherever she is. Um, so I feel like we should talk about the Tomb in the Fortress Inquisitorius, no? Yeah, I was a little shook by that because we hadn't seen that before even in fallen order i didn't know that existed and i knew something bad was about to happen because we saw like the red symbols of oh, the yeah. empire on the door and i'm like that can't that can't mean anything good is behind those doors right no he's like i found the secure section or whatever and you're like yeah uh, you're um, like, do you need to be in the secure section and i think that's the moment like everybody's talking about on twitter like oh my gosh what were you what were you where were you when you found out that there was a jedi like jedi in amber sort of tomb in the fortress inquisitorius and i was like shocked uh because how messed up is that it's not only that they kill these jedi that they hunt them but is that they like keep them as trophies where they are literally like encased in amber my question is did they kill the jedi before they put them in there or did they just put them in there and left them to die inside as they were crystallized. Oh, no, that's you know? even worse. No, 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 no. Brutal. No. It's brutal. I mean, yes, but no. It's giving me Jurassic Park vibes, like with the little mosquito exactly. inside the uh, inside the amber. It's the amber. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, uh, Tara Sanub, who's the first one that he sees from the Clone, Clone Wars. Uh, she, she appeared in that. There's also uh, Coleman... Uh, Coleman... Cha Coleman Trabor? No, not Coleman Trabor. He's the one that died at Geonosis. There's two Colemans? Yeah, there is. Coleman uh Kaj, who was on the Jedi Council. He actually appears in the Geonosian arena. Um, he's in one of the shots where he ignites a lightsaber. Uh, and he's also in the Jedi Council. Wait, there were two Colemans that were on the Jedi Council that yeah. were also in the Geonosian arena. That must have gotten really confusing Nobody for everybody. It's Coleman T, yeah. Coleman Coleman C, yeah, K, C, yeah, C or it's K, K, yeah. K C A J J. That's his last name. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like really interesting. Okay, but he also appears yeah. in the meeting room when they're like talking about the droid attack on the Wookies and stuff. Um, yeah, with like Keanu yeah. Mundi. So he's in that room, like with and he's sitting next to Anakin Skywalker in that meeting, which is yeah. crazy to think about because now he's 
in amber now he's dead inside of fortress inquisitorius which is being like overseen by anakin slash darth vader right so yeah that's really effed up yeah and it's it's interesting to see the look on obi-wan's face as he walks through there because there's not a moment where he's like oh yeah tara sanub like it's not like a wink wink at the audience but i think from the emotions on his face alone you're supposed to recognize like oh these are people that he probably knew like there is something there's some jedi that he stops in front of it's a woman and there's a shot where he, he stops we see him and then we see her and then back to him and then he keeps walking and it's nobody that i recognize but i think you're just supposed to get the impression of like that is somebody he probably knew you know yeah and it's just the way that he says um this place isn't a fortress it's a tomb but he like he almost completely it's a tomb he almost completely cracks on the word tomb because you have no doubt that he knows perhaps every single jedi in there yeah i do get that impression and it must be extremely hard for him to go through there and like relive all of the trauma of order 66 because he does go back to the temple and he sees like the younglings that are dead and he sees all the jedi that are dead and last right. he sees that youngling last right so that's probably bringing God. back the memories of oh my gosh i watched a a hologram recording of anakin killing younglings and like look he hasn't changed he's just fully embraced it to the point where he's keeping younglings in here as a trophy it's even worse like that's a child yeah like a like a real child like who died who clearly died as order 66 was being executed because they have their helmet on right, right. like i do think you're supposed to get that specific um specific connection to like the prologue of this show as well as anakin killing younglings all kind of rolled into mm -hmm. one and it's so aggressively brutal yeah like the fact that that he sees that but also like seeing that youngling is the exact moment that spurs him to action he's like i need to rescue leia and i need to rescue leia now because i cannot see her like this and um yep like the the youngling the youngling it's one of those indelible images i am never going to be able to get out of my mind mm -hmm. it's the worst it's the absolute worst and it's not a meme you know how like master skywalker you know that's kind right. of a meme this is not a meme this is there's not no, meme there's nothing, this is tragic there's nothing no no no. but there's nothing you can meme right you know and and so i think that makes it really even worse emotionally it's like there's nothing you can even like attempt to make an internet joke out of this i think i think part of seeing this too is what kicks obi-wan into gear because thinking back to earlier in the episode he says there are some things you can't forget and so here he exactly. is being literally reminded of the thing that he's probably been trying to forget since 10 years ago and it's all coming back to the forefront for him and i think that's like also partly what pushes him into action and pushes him to become a jedi hero again and like go into that room and rescue leia and i want to talk about deborah chow's action directing here because i think she mm -hmm. does such an incredible job of directing action the way that that room is lit completely dark and we just see like the blue lightsaber and that wide shot take out the first stormtrooper and then the second stormtrooper you know it gave me a hallway vibe for star wars but it was so good and like the red light contrasting with the blue saber in the dark and and again the metaphor of turning on the light switch in the dark right she is she is completely in the dark in that room and he turns on the light switch for her right so that i think that theme is continuing and she's like, I didn't tell anybody. He's like, I know. It's okay. Let's go. Let's get out of here. And it was just so cool. It was just so special. I had a tear in my eye watching Obi-Wan Kenobi go through those hallways, whipping around a lightsaber, blocking blaster shots, like taking down stormtroopers. And there's that moment where he takes down the last one and he like kind of twirls a saber and he assumes a fighting stance in the hallway. And then he looks at light and he's like, let's go. And I just thought that was so yeah. cool. It was so badass. I'm just like, this is the Obi-Wan that fought in the clone wars like he is he is embracing a side of himself that he hasn't tapped into for so long and i thought that was just like really incredible and really touching um i don't know what you thought of just seeing obi-wan not the version we saw last week that was very scared terrified of vader afraid to even turn on his lightsaber because it's been so long and here he is like confidently 
leading her to to safety. Yeah, I don't know if I had as many thoughts about that growth as you did. Um, you're kind of the one who pointed that out to me, but I do think it's valuable that we're kind of seeing a progression in him or some uh, some sort of a return to form. Uh, and it's very interesting to me that it wasn't spurred by Vader in this sense. Like it was really spurred by his desire to help a child and a child that he cares about. So anyway, this comes back to my recurring theme of Obi-Wan just has a big compassionate heart and he just wants to love somebody. <laughs> um, so I think that person that he, you know, is, is loving is, is is Leia in this instance and he has to protect her and he has to save her and he will do anything at this point in order to do that mm-hmm. by the way the seeker droids were so cool looking they were yeah like they were, little mini pro droids were they in fallen order i forget were they in the hallways i Ew. think maybe i don't remember Possibly. it's we, been a minute we do see purge troopers in this episode which was very cool i'm did I completely miss them? Yeah, there were a couple times in the episode. There's one that's walking with Reva and she's like marching down the hallway with one. And there's another that comes through the door before all the water rushes in. And there's also one at the end following her, uh, two of them actually, when they're in the hangar bay. So it was cool to see, again, like more elements of Fallen Order brought into live action, which was like one of my favorite parts of the show. And I think it's so validating too for the people at respawn who created that story and now get to see it breathe new life kind of like they saw the bd droid in you know book of boba fett so um fallen order is the gift that keeps on giving and i cannot wait for more cal kestis very soon yeah okay my question though you know we've been getting so much purge trooper t-shirts like if you look up star wars on like hot topic or whatever you get like 55 purge trooper t-shirts they've got to come back in a, a bigger form than just this episode right like i didn't even realize they were there is that is that bad of me like i didn't even i'm looking at at it now and i'm like okay yeah that makes sense but like i didn't even realize am i dumb (laughs) am i a fake fan maybe vader (sighs) takes a little a group with him oh to find obi-wan because they're being tracked so maybe he's taking the full force of uh, inquisitorius with him because he's like let's settle this once and for all you know what? That tracks. That mm-hmm. tracks. Um, and you also said you're excited to see more Cal Kestis. Me too, bestie. Me yeah. too. <laughs> um, I I cannot wait for Jedi Survivor. I think that should be really exciting. And it is cool uh, as like a video game fan to really kind of get that connection here in the show, mm-hmm. especially considering like that game is really filling some valuable, interesting gaps in this time period. Um, and to see it kind of directly pulling from, uh, see this show directly pulling from that is is rewarding for fans i think for sure mm-hmm. one final note of obi-wan 2 in the hallways of of the fortress you know we see him start to use the force more on the ship coming in where he tries to move like the watch towards him but also when he is almost detected by the two stormtroopers in that small hallway i was like oh my god is he gonna do the thing is he gonna do the thing from a new hope where like where the two troopers are on the bridge and they're talking about like the T-16s or whatever. And then he like uses his <laughs> hand. They're like, what's that? And then they walk away and there's like, ah, nothing. And I was like, oh my God, is he going to do the thing? And then it cuts to him and he puts the two fingers up and I'm like, he's doing the thing. I was so happy. Like this is like a little <laughs> small Easter egg that as a general viewer, like if you don't make that connection, like it just seems like it makes sense. Like, yes, he's a Jedi. He's going to create a distraction with his Jedi powers. Right. Mm-hmm. But as like an avid watcher of these things that has like devoured hours and hours, like picking that up and knowing that like that's the same. It's a little like, you know, homage to A New Hope in an episode that is itself an homage to the New Hope, you know, prison breakout for Leia specifically. Right. So it was just like really cool. I don't know. It made me it made me all giddy and happy inside. It's just such a like stupid Easter egg to get like so worked up over. But I don't know. There was just like something really cool about it that. You know, seeing more of a link between the Ben Kenobi of the show and like the Ben Kenobi of A New Hope, right? And so, like, yeah, those yeah. links are starting to become clearer because the Ben Kenobi in A New Hope is, is at the height of, you know, right before he's going to become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. You know, he's at peace with himself and he feels confident in his connection to the Force. So, we're inching towards that version of of obi-wan i think it's like really cool maybe that's why it excites me i don't know for sure 
I feel like I have to share one silly moment that like really worked for me too. If we're talking about silly moments that worked for you, uh, and mine is way sillier than yours in terms of like its relevance to anything. Um, but I really love this moment when, um, Reva is interrogating, uh, Leia and, um, she's like, well, I'm going to have to, we're all on the same team, right? I'm going to have to tell my dad <laughs> where they are. And then I can tell you. And Reva kind of looks at her and is like, you can tell, like, she just like squeezes her hand a little bit. Like she's ready to strangle this kid. She's like, clever, you know, <laughs> like, um, and I just thought that was so funny. And it, it, and it's just one of those really wonderful Leia things that like, of course, Leia would find a way around this, this method of interrogation. She's smarter than this. And Reva is like really kind of still underestimating her. And I just, ah, it makes me feel makes me feel all kind of powerful and great and amazing and wonderful because I'm just like, ha, ah, that's my girl, you know? And I think she's, um, and I think she's thinking of Tala too, how Tala told her, it's not that scary to pretend when you're helping people. Right. And so here Leia is sort sure. of implementing that shortly after. Right. You know? Like exactly, exactly after that and, and kind of using those lessons and also weaving in her own personality and her own self into it all. Mm hmm. Also, one last thought, speaking of the um, Obi-Wan, just in the hallway with the broken glass and him holding back the water. I thought that was such a cool moment. I thought him just in that hallway defending Leia. The stakes are so high. She's worried about the window. I just thought that was like really a really good set piece, like a moment. And I love Deborah Chow's use of the shaky cam. Like It really feels like you're mm. on the ground with Obi-Wan versus a more static camera. I feel like that really adds to the um, intensity of that sequence. It's why she's a great director for action. Like chapter three yeah. of the Mandalorian is like one of my favorites because of how she directs that. For sure. I think that she kind of has a strong and very clear vision about what she wants for her sequences um, throughout the show. And I've been really impressed by what she's been doing. And I think that this episode is no different in that regard for sure. With that, I feel like we have to talk about a little bit more action and the end of this episode because we do one uh, one more getaway and it starts in just about the silliest way possible. Um, Trench coat. With, <laughs> with Tala in her outfit and then Obi-Wan in his <laughs> Imperial hat and his Imperial trench coat with a teeny tiny Leia on his oh side. My gosh. Like it's, it's, it is not convincing in the slightest this is the ridiculous side of star wars we need more of i want obi-wan in a trench coat with little leia like it is so dumb and i mean this with nothing but affection but like it is so silly but like i also can't wait for like trench coat obi-wan cosplays oh my gosh like, yes officially recognized trench coat obi-wan cosplays because uh, i'm like ah oh, yes this is how, this is how you do a cosplay uh bonus bonus props if like if if you're a dad and you have a small daughter that you can just hide under your, <laughs> um, hide under your trench coat um, and i love how she keeps like peeking up with the flap she like peeks up and then she like puts it back down i'm like oh my god so subtle right. and they walk right past the fifth brother and fourth sister i'm like that was so what, close can I? these inquisitors they're meant to be like the best jedi hunters they're meant to be you know um very serious and scary and i mean reva is very serious and scary but we've had multiple times at this point where we have had stood face to face with our enemy reva stood face to face with a single man that we want the most in the whole world obi-wan kenobi and we have not done anything about it like in a serious manner like she's just staring there having a conversation with them and then she's like running after them but she can't run fast enough before they take off and i'm like girl you gotta be in cahoots with everybody you guys gotta capture him you gotta be done with this like and it's it's know. ironic too because the fifth brother's like ah she's doing such a terrible job as he walks past obi-wan in a trench coat with little leia like he's like totally missing his surroundings while he shit talks reva about how bad of a job right. she's doing i'm like dude did you just they did you just see who passed you or are you gonna <laughs> it's like don't talk the talk here they are very scary but they are also delightful clowns yeah and i mean that with nothing but love and appreciation for them yeah this is not um, a nitpick as much as it is as it is just like a star wars is silly star wars is silly yeah and, exactly like we and, love and this I, and i and i love it yeah it's 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 i can't yeah i can't even like actually complain about it because it's all it's all silly it's a space yeah. fantasy but like 
I love I love that element. And then my other silly like thing that I love is the freaking mouse droid getting exploded. <laughs> and there's like a clear shot on the mouse droid on fire. And I'm like, ha ha ha, not the mouse droid. Yeah. No. It's such a specific shot. And I'm, everybody was like, oh, rest in peace, mouse droid. And I'm like, that's just such a funny thing to include. So silly. Right. Like all this action's happening. And like, that's what we're focused on. Like, I love it. Give me more of that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I feel like that brings us kind of to the the final scene. So R.I.P. Wade, our guy who says, so that's it. Fortress Inquisitorious. Um, like with less affect than I did. We get this very serious scene of Reva kind of being held up and choked by Vader um, about letting Obi-Wan get away again, which like he's not wrong. Would you consider the immediate shots of Vader walking down the hallway a jump scare? No, no, I was not. <laughs> it happens very abruptly. Scared. You hear the breathing. You're like, oh, and it's like, oh, God, Vader's in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, but that makes enough sense um, to me. But like what really shocked me about that moment was when she's like, I have a tracker. I tracking them on their ship. So I'm still in the clear. Did you believe her? I did. Because I was like, well, there's okay, two episodes left. <laughs> So I was like, I mean, yes, he has to find them somehow. Like, I genuinely didn't believe her because I thought she was just like telling a story to get out of Obi Vader's crosshairs. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way. And then we get that final shot. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Like, no, not Lola. <laughs> is Lola really evil upset. now? Like, does she just have a tracker in her or is she actually, she's I think she's like a bad droid now. I think she's 100% evil, Lola. Yeah. Leia was right in Tross. Never underestimate a droid. Really. That's how she's, yeah, she's going like to learn the, the hard way. She's bet betrayed by her own droid <laughs> as a child. Like, that's so awful. Right after Reva tells her, I used to have a droid. It was taken away from me. And now here, right. here Reva Ugh. is taking away Leia's droid. This is so messed up, Reva. Yeah. Inflicting the also, pain of her youth on another. Also, did you see that half smile on the fifth brother's face when... When like Reva's getting forest stroked from by Vader, he's, he's so like, dramatic. Mm. He is so dramatic. He's, he really wants to be next in line to be the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. But like, my question is, we haven't seen the Grand Inquisitor in a couple episodes at the Fortress Inquisitorius. Um, what does the rest of the Inquisitorius think happened to him? Where do they think that he is? I have no idea. I have some questions. He's gonna come back for sure. It's not gonna be good news for Reva. I don't know how she gets out of it and I'm worried because I love Reva and I don't want her to get the Trilla treatment. And no, um, we don't want that. I'm worried that the reintroduction of the grand inquisitor who's like, yeah, she stabbed me in the chest and they're like, uh, that's not good. Right. There's no way that this goes well, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. But episode five is bring up to be, bad for our heroes once again because they will get tracked very quickly and i'm yeah. I'm, I'm really worried i don't know how much time is, is gonna roken pass actually a goner roken maybe roken's a goner yeah, yeah i don't know well o'shea jackson jr did tweet like you know wait to see what i do on the show so it's possible maybe he he sacrifices himself in some way you know for the cause oh which no. would be really I upsetting i don't want it either but you know maybe he goes out in a in a blaze of glory or something you know he's the pilot of the ship i guess so i don't know i hope that doesn't happen Ouch. um but also yeah, but we know and not everybody's making it out alive yeah and you know again shout out to wade i thought that whole sequence by the way with the t-47s coming in and there's that one shot of like our heroes centered in the middle of the camera and then the two t-47s on each side coming in swooping in and the sparks going yeah, up on the ground yeah. getting shot i thought that was such a really cool and interesting action shot i loved that so much but we end up on the transport tala is giving wade's now widow like a drink and oh, were they married I, were they together i think i think maybe they had a thing for each other you know rebellion is a hard time you you, you know you link or up just, with certain people besties. i don't know it seemed uh could have been romantic in a way at least that's how i read it mm. maybe okay okay but we're we're nearing the end here because I want to talk about like one of the most touching moments in the series, and I think is is such an important one, which is little Leia and Ben Kenobi is sitting there 
she reaches over she touches his hand he gives her a look she gives him a look and then it goes back to his hand and he turns it over and he grabs it and he doesn't just grab it he does the thumb thing he he he, does he rubs the, the thumb thing he rubs guys, the, thumb. the thumb thing. he rubs the thumb <laughs> over her knuckles like while he's holding her hand and like it's that's soft. i think with it's any sort of handhold like that's the true sign of of love and care and affection and i think that was just so like gentle and sweet and shows how much that ben kenobi cares about leia and wants to protect yeah. her and like how much this kid means to him and the way that she has given him hope and yeah when, I, I i thought about the beginning of the episode when he's in the back to tank we actually get a shot of that same hand that he uses to hold her hand and in the back to tank mm. his hand is kind of out and when he's thinking of vader his hand kind of like does like a gripping motion Grabs. right yeah but there's nobody there to grab his hand oh, now somebody's there right now somebody's and there. now somebody's there at the end of the episode to grab his hand and to hold on to it and so that i think that like sky talker says hands are a language and i think the way that hands are used <laughs> and we love our friends yeah uh, i think the way that hands are used beautifully book on this episode and that i like you know much like the metaphor of light and dark in the last episode bookends it i think the hands bookend part four in a really beautiful and touching way and i cry every time i watch it i'm gonna cry every time i watch it it's such a it's just such a soft moment but it says so much about these two characters and how they're now through their through the mission that they've been on together are going to be forever tied their destinies are forever linked that's why mm -hmm. it's why she goes to ben kenobi to rescue her and get the plans to alderaan because she's like he's the only person i trust and then she names her kid ben yeah yep Okay, gonna go cry now. Thanks go for cry. this great conversation. Yeah. Bye. How how did, how did that moment land for you? The handholds between these two characters. I thought it was very sweet, and I literally have it, guys. I have it paused at thirty two oh three on my screen right now, which is just the shot of um, after Leia has brought her hand over towards her body, um, and it's just it's just um, it's very soft, and it um, warms my heart a little bit. And the music, the music too here. Natalie Holt did a great job hitting the emotional beat with the music. It's so good, mm hundred -hmm. percent. So freaking good. Um, it hurts, but it's like it's it's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I just what what really strikes me about this image is like how small her hand is. Like mm -hmm. she's a small ten year old. She's a small kid, and um, seeing their hands like this just really kind of uh, emphasizes not only like obi-wan's desire for connection desire to like actually be able to love somebody else um as as he's a compassionate person but it also shows the audience just how still in need of that protection and that love that leia is it's like we know who leia is she's she's smart she's strong she's sassy she's confident she can do anything she's a princess a general a mom you know like she's all of these things but once she was a child and she still needed that protection and perhaps she needed that protection even as an adult and she didn't get it because her everyone ever she, she had loved got destroyed, you know, like mm -hmm. um, to have this moment where she's able to give comfort, but also like receive comfort in in this moment, um, like with this hand holding is, I think, really valuable because Leia as a character isn't given a lot of time as an adult to grieve or to process or to reflect uh, in the stories that we see from her really until the last Jedi, which is like many decades down the road um, for her. So I really value this moment. Yeah. And not that Brea and Bale haven't given her that love and care, right? She's definitely oh, getting no, it have. from them, but I think it's so important for Leia to receive that outside of her adoptive parents because we see in the beginning of the show how she's getting bullied by her cousin and she mentions how people tell her all the time that she's not a true Argana. And so here she is getting this validation from somebody outside of her, what has been her family her whole life and seeing the value in her and also somebody that knew her real parents. Then she knows she senses that Obi-Wan knew her real parents. And I, I think for Leia, she finds comfort in that. You know, if I'm getting the approval of you, I would imagine I would get the approval of my mom and dad too if they if they were somebody that you were close with. I think she's thinking that, maybe sensing it. Maybe that's just me reading the character and the way that I'm interpreting it. But 
I think there's also something there, right? Like this is somebody that is a direct link, the most direct link to her, her real parents. Yeah. And I also think there's a force ability too of her to intuit what other people are kind of experiencing emotionally that gets established in the last Jedi novelization. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, this is also really, really important for Obi-Wan too. Uh, Cause Obi-Wan's been so isolated. When's the last time know? he's held so, a hand when Satine died? Exactly. When Satine died. Oh, fudge. Sickles. <laughs> oh no. No, the episode is over. The episode has got to be done. I can't, I can't <laughs> handle anymore after that. Like, don't oh, say that to me. Yeah, That's really sad no. to think about. No, no, no. And he's been so alone in that cave, right? I mean, he, I, he has, exactly. ni- he has just, nightmares. He wakes up alone. Nobody to hold him. We all need to be held. We all, we all need a hug every now and then. Like we go through it. And this is the first time Obi-Wan is receiving any sort of true affection from anybody. In such a long time. And I, I love the way Ewan plays that moment. You see a little bit of a twitch in his eye. His eyebrow raises ever so slightly. And and right under his eye kind of twitches a little bit. You see the smile sort of forming. And the emotion is there. And the way that her smile barely comes through as well. When she looks at him. And she leans back in her chair and looks up at him. And the body language between these two. Nothing is spoken. Nothing is said. It's the music. It's the nonverbal cues. It's so beautiful. It's like such a touching Star Wars moment that like when I hear people say this episode is filler, I'm like, what did you watch? Did we not watch the same thing? Because like mm. to go through this whole episode. People, people have said that? People, yeah, there's there's certain people, especially a lot of certain YouTubers who are being like, this episode's stupid. We wasted time. And I'm like, how can you say that when you're watching Obi-Wan Kenobi hold little Leia's hand right now? Well, I just I I don't think any of those episodes have been no. like that at all. It, especially anyway. not this one though. It's such a crucial moment and to build up to this emotional yeah. beat is like the whole episode is worth it for that alone, in my opinion. Everything else is great. This was just like icing on the cake and it made me cry. I was like I was like thinking, oh, I'm not gonna cry on this episode today. And then nope. JK, I cried. Cried right at the end. You got me, Lucas Films. How dare you? Oh, you just a films plural. I know. I just felt like it. Are you are you even a real fan? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just felt like Lucas films. It felt felt right. Felt right in the moment. Okay. Pearl. Well, it's wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> I still respect you. <laughs> oh gosh. I can't wait for next week. Uh any any predictions for next week? Like where are we going with the story? Do you have any idea? Any inkling? No. Are we going to go back to Alderaan no. in episode five, you think? Or is that sort of an Literally episode have- six? literally have no idea and am giving myself no predictions have no idea where we're going and i'm just gonna let myself vibe with that knowledge or that lack of knowledge i want to ask you though we haven't heard from baru or luke are we gonna hear you think we're gonna hear them talk by the end of the series i want to hear bonnie peace i want to see her i want to see little luke yeah yeah who knows? I don't know. Like, I mean, we, we got to end up I, back on Tatooine. I, I guess. Like, I guess. Like, Obi-Wan's got to end up back on Tatooine. But how we get there, like, I have no idea. My bold prediction is we're going to see him give the toy back, the ship. It's going to end with that. Anyways. Yeah, I don't know where the where the series is going to go, but I'm, I'm super excited for these last couple episodes. And they better be 50 minutes minimum. Each. for real for real i have no idea why this one was 35 minutes like it it bothers me a lot bit a lot bit more than a little bit especially because the first one was like 57 minutes yeah and it bothers us because these episodes are damn good and we want more of it we love the series it's our entire personality like, right now and we don't want it to end it's like we know it's both of us know how long the series is it's six episodes we know that we know we're not going to get more unless they have to do some sort of spinoff or whatever right like we know that this is kind of an open and closed shut case here so we know we're running on borrowed time i just want them to maximize every bit of it is my thought behind that yeah and that concludes our discussion on part four we have two more weeks to go after this one we are very very excited about them we hope that you will continue to join us here on the kenobi keynote if you want to follow along with all the things that we are doing and that the podcast is doing you can follow brad and i on twitter goodreads and letterboxd and you can follow me on sarah's puzzled pages on instagram if you like books and star wars and you can also follow the podcast on instagram and twitter and youtube And make sure wherever you're listening to the show to subscribe to the podcast. So our next two episodes of the Kenobi Keynote drop right into your podcast feed and leave us a five star rating and written review if you could. It takes a couple extra seconds out of your day, but is a huge help to us and helps other folks find the show. 
and join our discussion about Obi-Wan Kenobi and so many other things that are happening in Star Wars this year. So the more Friends of the Force, the better. We also have a Patreon where tiers start at just a dollar, and we are super grateful for all of our patrons. Amy, Anna, I, Brian, Why Brian, Carol, Cheryl, Clay, Danny, Davis, Dalen, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Huang, Jen, Lights of Ren, Levi, Leanne, Lucy, Luke, Rob, Randy, Saber Bouquet, Skytalkers, Travis, and T. Thank you so much. We will also be talking about the Obi-Wan comics on the Force Pull list. So if you want to talk about those things, they will be over there. Yes, absolutely. So thank you all once again for listening. And until next time, may the Force be with you always. Happy Pride. Bye.